Hey everybody, Real Faith will be live right here on Faith FM right after this song. Welcome to Real Faith with Robbie Morgan. You are listening to Faith FM Radio. How are you going today? I'm uh, I'm doing really well. I uh, I don't know if you noticed last week if you were listening that uh, it was a replay, and uh, that's because I was away on a holiday, and I'm super stoked that I got to go away on holidays. I uh, got out, thankfully, uh, to be I was allowed to get out of uh, of town, and I got to go rock climbing with one of my best buddies out at the Warren Bungles, and had an epic time. And it was very cold. So I'm loving life. Life is feeling really good. It was awesome to see God's creation. And it was awesome to be outside with a friend just hanging out, doing fun things outside and being away from phones and from telephones. Oh, it's the same thing, I suppose. Uh, you know, the Internet, all those things that can be good and can also be very overwhelming. So stoked to be back and stoked to be here with you today. We've got a great show lined up for you today. I hope that you're doing well, whether you're traveling home or you're at work or you're doing whatever you're doing. 
I'm super excited to be able to share with you from Scripture today, and I pray that it's a blessing. Today, we are going to be continuing our journey through the book of Exodus, and today we will be specifically learning more about what happened to the Israelites after the Passover when they escaped from Egypt, and it's going to involve some uh, some aquatics, it's going to involve some some pretty supernatural stuff, so we're super excited to see what that entails today. So you want to stick around for that. Also, we have got our discussion topic today that you can call in at any time during the show or text in with your response, and the question for our discussion topic today is, what is the key to maintaining balance in your life? And if you have figured out the answer to that question, I would love to know what you reckon about that because you might be giving me some help in my life to find some balance. So I'd love to hear from you on that. You can call or text in at 0491-064-669 at any point in the show. Also, we're going to be doing our question of the week at the end of the show, which is arguably it's up there. It's one of my top two favorite parts of this whole experience is it being able to do the question of the week. So I'm pretty excited about that. So I'd love to hear from you, from your questions that you might have about God, about the Bible, about the Bible study that we're doing today, about you know some of those spiritual questions that are niggling in the back of your mind. We'd love to have some questions from you. Maybe they could be questions about ethical decisions that you're making as a Christian or thinking about as, as you consider Christianity. Who knows? The sky's the limit. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, I don't have all the answers, but uh, we'll do our best to see what God says in Scripture and see what we, if we can lend some light on that. Anyway... We would love to hear from you. So you can call in at any time with the show or text in with your questions that we can look at at the end during our question of the week portion. We'd love to hear from you. Again, that number is 0491-064-669. It's going to be a great show. We're super excited that you're here with us. Make sure you stick around. We're going to start our show off today with a beautiful song by Lauren Daigle entitled, Look Up Child, and here it is for you. Where are you now when darkness seems to end? Where are you now when the world is crumbling? Oh, I, I, I hear you say, I hear you say, look up.
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie Morgan. You are listening to Faith FM Radio. I hope you enjoyed that beautiful song. I quite like Lauren Daigle's voice. She's got quite a powerful voice, doesn't she? Well, it has come that time of our show today to talk about the weird and wonderful world that God has made. And uh, th- this has actually got nothing to do with what I was going to share today on the Weird and Wonderful segment. But uh, have you ever been to the Warren Bungles, uh, Shell? No. No. And I don't know if any of you have been to the Warren Bungles. Please, uh, I'd love to hear from you. If you've been to the Bungles, tell me tell me what you liked. So this last week when I was out there with my friend climbing, we got to see this really cool feature. And if you've never heard of it or never seen it, I encourage you to uh, go go out west in New South Wales. Go check it out because the Warren Bungles National Park has some pretty amazing rock features. And one of them is called the Bread Knife. And the Bread Knife is this huge, long I, I don't remember how tall it was. I reckon it'd be at least 60 meters at its peak, um, which doesn't sound like that high. But when you consider that the thing's like two meters wide for most of the most of it, the, it's super thin and goes on like the ridge of a dinosaur's back or a butter knife sticking out of the ground. It's a super cool feature. You should check it out. Anyway, that is not what our fun facts are about today. But you know, when you go on a rock climbing trip, you just kind of think about rocks a lot. So. That was one of the things that I enjoyed about that. But today's fun facts, we're going to be learning about the Red Sea. Oh, I wonder why. (laughs) Might have something to do with the story today. So, fun fact for you, Shell, and for you listening. The Red Sea actually contains more than 1,000 invertebrate species. So what's an invertebrate species? This This is a popcorn test, pop quiz. Are you ready? Invertebrate. I'm testing testing your your biology skills from high school. Can you remember? It's just the, where the vertebrae is inside. Because a good guess. It was a good guess. <laughs> if I remember correctly, it means uh, we're testing my biology skills too. It's a it's a it's an animal without a backbone with no vertebrae. Okay. So this Jeez. is talking about things that don't have uh, a backbone, things like echinoderms or things like starfish, sea stars. So there are over 1,000 varieties of invertebrates living in the Red Sea today. The Red Sea is also home to more than 200 hard and soft corals. So if you're into scuba diving, one day when you're allowed to travel again, God willing, uh, one of the places that you might like to go is to go to Egypt, go head out to Cairo and check out the Red Sea because there's apparently absolutely incredible scuba diving out there and it is actually the northernmost sea that is tropical so that's fascinating too because the southern portion of it reaches into the tropic of i think it was cancer from memory super interesting stuff all right what else can we learn about the red sea do you know why it's called red any ideas dun 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 that is one of the reasons that they put forward. The, uh, the name in the, 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 the ancient Greek name for it actually translate literally to the Red Sea. And most scholars suggest that the reason that it's called that might have to do with the red algae blooms that happen there on an annual basis. So super fascinating. Something else that's cool about the Red Sea is it was, it, it currently is today still an important uh, an important trade route, the Suez Canal. You may have heard recently in the last couple of months there was a, a tanker that got stuck in there. Well, that has been a source of trade for spices, even dating back to the Middle Ages, where they would sail spices up the Red Sea from Asia and travel that across through towards Egypt and where they would travel on from land from there 
around past Palestine, etc., which is really fascinating too, mm-hmm. just to think about the fact that what was about to become God's area of land for his people, Judea, Israel, etc., actually becomes the center of kind of three trade routes between three continents. Pretty amazing stuff. So let me give you one more fun fact or a couple more if I can squeeze them in. Did you know that the Red Sea is also the saltiest of all of the seas in the ocean with a salinity of 3.5%? So that's 3.5% of the Red Sea is actually dissolved salt in the water. That's pretty cool. One more fun fact for you. I'm looking at the time, and I've got enough time to get you this one. Are you ready for it? Very. All right. So there are more than 1,200 fish species living in the Red Sea, and approximately 10% of that actually are endemic. They only live in that region of the world. So you've got it right here. The Red Sea is a pretty weird and wonderful place that God has made. Thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not, as thou hast been now forever with me. Springtime and harvest Sun, moon, and stars in their courses above Join with whole nature in manifold witness To thy great faithfulness, mercy, and love Thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. Oh, I have needed thy hand, hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord. sin and a peace that endureth Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide I'll strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow Blessings are mine with ten thousand beside Oh Thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, 
You are listening to Real Faith with Robbie Morgan on Faith FM Radio, and it's come that portion of our show where we're going to listen to somebody's real-life story of how God has been working in their life in the present day, and today we've got our good friend uh, John Rogers. Are you there with us, John? Yes, I'm here. Awesome. I'm doing fantastic, John. That's great. How are you today? Yeah, I'm, I'm... I'm not complaining. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very good. Well, before we get yeah. into your story, John, tell us a, just, yeah. just tell us briefly a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, I'm uh, I'm a clockmaker and uh, ex radio announcer, and um, yeah, so I, I I keep time going for people. <laughs> I love yeah. that. That's very cool. Yeah. Very cool. How it's long have you been in that industry? Oh, I so love it. 25 years. 25 years. That's really neat. Yeah. I might need to come see yeah. you sometime about a watch that's got water in it or something. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> no worries. <laughs> oh, that's Take very Take the neat. back off and just, just put the hairdryer on it very slowly and very lightly, and that'll lift it out. Oh, it's good to know. I might dry that when mm. I get home. Yeah. Well, we're super excited to have you on the show today, John. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, yeah, let's let's hear your story. We'd love to hear how God has been working in your life. Okay. Uh, I was reading um, just at lunchtime, before I even knew I'd be speaking to you, of Matthew chapter 19, where the disciples says, is it lawful for a man to divorce? And Jesus says, well, for these reasons and these reasons, that someone is unfaithful, yes, it is. But um, they said, so it's better for a man not to marry. And he said, well, not everybody can take that. So I was thinking back in my own life where, you know, um, a very, very near and dear person to me uh, fell in love. And when you fall in love with somebody that's, Captured your heart. I mean, is there anything like that excitement of of being in love? Mm. It's the most greatest thing, you know. I I found there's even a greater love that no man has than that he lay down his life for his friends, and that comes from our Savior, Lord Jesus. But my father is the man. And he he fell in love with this Irish girl, and he was smitten with her, and he married her. And um, they weren't Christians, but he he was told that they were having a child, so uh, so he did the right thing, and he thought, "Well, I love this woman, and uh, and I've got to marry her." So he, they got married, and. Um, so they went on, and um, and my brother was born, and I was born. And uh, probably about a year later, somebody came knocking on the door. And he said, excuse me, is my wife here? And he said, no, it's just me and my wife. And he said, no, no, he says, uh, my wife is an Irish lady like myself. He said, but uh, her name is Lee. He said, he said, that's the name of my wife. 
He said, what brought you here? He said, I've been looking for her for a year and two years. Wow. And, and, uh, and well, you know, you, can you imagine the shock on my dad? Oh, man. Can you imagine getting that story? And she came out. Of course, uh, she was she was arrested, and uh, you know uh, it it was for the for the uh, the uh, what the breaking the law of bigamy. Mm. You can't be married to two people at once, and uh, the other the other marriage was still alive. And uh, I've got brothers who live in Ireland I've never ever seen. And that, that has been a very sad part of my life because I'd love to have seen them, mm. love to have known them, you know, the part of my genealogy and et cetera. But, you know, it's funny how love can bring nothing but sadness if it's not in Jesus Christ, if it's not led and guided by God. Mm. And uh, this brought a lot of pain, and I never found out uh, that this all happened um, until probably until I got the letter when when my dad died, and the letter was from the court saying what was to be done with us, and we were to be put put into an orphanage until we were eighteen. So unfortunately, my father lived with that, and he was a man never showed his feelings, and I can remember one day going up to him and saying, well. Dad, what was my mum like? And uh, he referred to her as a female dog. So, you know, uh, that didn't put a lot of confidence in me. Because what it put in me was, well, if she's that, what am I? Mm. So that's the way that that went. And it it was really, really hard. And then one day she came to the orphanage when I was about eight. And um, she picked my brother and I up, told the, the nuns that she was taking us for a uh, for an afternoon's run in the car. And next minute, we were flying above the clouds, never been in an airplane before. And we were at my Irish grandmother's place within, I don't know, we're between falling asleep and whatever. I can still remember it right now as though I was right there. And uh, she called me Sean, and I said, that's not my name. My name's John. Oh, that's right, Sean. That's right. And though that was funny, I saw my grandfather, and he'd been a coal miner all his life, and he was dying of the lung disease, and all he was doing was lying in the bay window with big gas bottles beside him. And uh, all my brothers and that came to meet me and everything like that. But uh, that was the last time I ever saw them. That was then. Wow. So anyway, my um, I can remember my mother going to the going across the road, and she said, and I remember her saying, "Oh, officer, there was a policeman there." She said, "I have sinned against God. I have taken these children from where they should be to here, and I need to get them back." So. They got in touch with Dad, and he paid our way back over to England, and she left us on a bench at a railway station and said, well, boys, your dad will be along soon. I've got to go. And that was that was it. Wow. 
Oh, yeah, it, it, we, we were just sitting there in a railway station watching it, and we had no feelings about what happened, but, you know, it, it, these feelings lie to you because they're still there and, and the evil one uses them to hurt us sometimes. So you've got to really deal with them before God. Mm. Yeah, so that's that part of my story. Yeah, wow. That's, that's pretty full on, John. Yeah, and it still hurts. And uh, I've just turned 70, and I'm a young 70, and I've been out there. Uh, I've been a real outgoing sort of a chap all my life, but inside I've been a very lonely man too. Mm. So, and, and that's what you get for, you know, the Catholic Church. They say, you give me a child until he's seven, and I will show you the man. So the formative years are so important, and not having a mother to cling to and and to have been loved by is a big thing to miss out on. And if anyone's listening out there, don't let it happen. Mm. Be sure about marriage. Yeah, that's a great that's a great and powerful point, John. You know, I'm reminded yep. that there's there's a lot of a lot of people who have gone through similar circumstances and they can, yes. they can really define our sense of identity, that, that brokenness that comes in a family that is, is so common to so many people. But isn't it amazing that, that God is, is able and willing to be the person who steps in as that father figure, that mother figure, to give us the love yeah. that, that our parents may not have been able to give us? Do you know on the days that we have, um, I think it's May the 8th or whatever, that we have Mother's Day? Mm. I, I find it very hard to go to church. Mm. And I, I did go to church one day, and uh, God spoke to me directly. And I can, st- you know, I, it, was, it was a voice that you don't know where it comes from, but it comes up into your head. And it's a verse from the Old Testament that I will be a mother to those who have no mother Mm. and I'll be a father to those who have no father. And God did step in and he did touch me and I can remember going out into the fields with so much joy. And I used to go out and get out to be with him and he was just, you know, I, I just sensed there was somebody there giving me joy isn't that beautiful? Yeah, oh, love joy that. never told a lie. That's right. Well, thank you yeah. so much, John, for sharing that story with us. And I just want to my oh yeah oh yes yes sorry yeah my pleasure. <laughs> and I just want to encourage our listeners as we as we go to the news. If you've been in an experience like that, I just want you to know that just like God stepped in for John, He can step in for you. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. You're listening to Real Faith, but it's not as real as it could be. Why, you ask? Because this isn't the live show. So as good as this is, the live show is where it's really at. Join us every Thursday from 3.30 to 5.30 p.m. so you can be involved live. I will build my house where the storm won't drive. On a rock that does not move 
I will set my hope in your love, O oh Lord, in your faithfulness will prove you are steadfast, steadfast, you are steadfast, All the starry hopes are called out by name each night. In your watchful care, I will rest secure as you lead me with your light. You are steadfast, steadfast. You are steadfast. Strength of kings on your promise, I will stand. I will shout for joy, I will raise my voice. Hallelujah to the Lord. You are listening to Real Faith with Robbie Morgan on Faith FM Radio, and we are super excited to be getting into our Bible study here shortly, but before we do that, we're going to get into our discussion topic, and we're going to let you know what the prize is for our first caller in today with a question to give to us for question of the week. So, our discussion question topic this day, to this day, today is, what is the key to maintaining balance in your life? So what do we got so far, Shell? So Arthur had some good thoughts. He says, being loved and appreciated, respect for others, having a close um, circle of good friends, being generous, and, of course, quiet time one-to-one with God. Awesome. I love that. Yeah, there's a few things there that that really are quite helpful when you're talking about balance, especially, I think, the the ability to know that you've got a framework that's trustworthy and secure you know, with with some friends, some family, and that time personally with Jesus—that's pretty. That's pretty on point. 
Yeah, amen. Yeah. <laughs> totally. So we'd love to hear from you and let get your thoughts. Thank you for those thoughts, Arthur. And uh, you can send those in, and I'll give you that number in just a moment. Because before that, I want to tell you that you can call in with your question of the week as well. And the caller in today who comes in with their question first is going to receive a free prize giveaway of a book called 40 Days Prayers and Devotions on God's Law and Its Blessings. So this is a 40-day book to give you a, a little one-pager each morning to read through, or I suppose any time of the day, and you go through it for six weeks, 40 days, through the topic of God's law. And the, the point is, is God's law more than just a bunch of thou shalt nots? How does the, like, how does the law of God describe God's character? What can we learn about who Jesus is from God's laws? So if you want to get in on that, send in your questions to 0491064669. That's 0491064669, and we'd love to hear from you. All right, well, we're going to get into our Bible study today, and we are starting off in Exodus chapter 13, and we're not following on exactly from where we finished last week or two weeks ago, but we're going to be continuing on with the major portion of the story and finding out what happens next. So let's start with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, Thank you so much for the privilege that we have to have access to your word, and we pray that today you would speak to us, that we may be able to take away from your word something that's applicable and relevant to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So in Exodus chapter 13, well, Exodus chapter 12 that we did last time we were together, we talked about and we learned that the Passover festival had had taken place, all the firstborn of Egypt who had not had the blood of the lamb spread across the doorposts and the lintel, which is the crossbeam of their doorway, experienced the death of the firstborn male in their houses all across Egypt. And it said that there was not a house in Egypt where that was not affected. But all of the Israelites had done this, apparently because we don't have any recorded deaths among the Israelites. So we have this this beautiful passage that we've gone through that talks about the, the tragedy that happened in Egypt due to their unwillingness to respond to God's way of salvation, as opposed to God's people Israel choosing to respond to that and experiencing the redemption. At the end of that, they were sent out, and it said that a mixed multitude went with them. So there were there were apparently converts from Egypt who decided they would go with Israel. They'd seen enough of God. They had enough of a taste of who he was that they followed with them on their journey out. And the next question is, so what happens next? And we're in Exodus chapter 13. Exodus is the second book of the Old Testament, Genesis, then Exodus chapter 13, starting in verse 17, and it reads like this. Then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. And I just want to pause there for a moment and just highlight something that, I, that, that, that just struck me. Isn't it amazing that how God is about to lead his people from slavery into freedom, he, he has the foresight to see, you know, if I lead them in a path that's too difficult, they might give up and go back. 
And isn't it amazing that God makes a, makes a plan to go through and deal with his people in such a way that it gives them the best opportunity to continue to stay on the path that he is leading them on? Isn't that amazing? This is Malvinus in my heart. In my heart, in my heart, Lord, I want to be a Christian in my heart, in my heart, in my heart, Lord, I want to be a Christian. You are listening to Real Faith with Robbie Morgan. That was Malvinus with In My Heart. Actually, I, I dig that song. That's one of my favorite songs in one of the old hymnals. Uh, beautiful song. And uh, let's see, what was I going to say? You're listening to Real Faith. This is Faith FM. And we're going to do another discussion response, and then we're going to jump right back into our Bible study. So, Shell, our discussion topic today was, what is the key to maintaining balance in your life? What other wisdom have we gleaned from our listeners? I actually need as much help with this as I can get, to be totally honest. <laughs> yeah, I know, me too. Yeah, balance. Yeah, so, sometimes I feel like I'm a bit of a yo-yo. Um, so yeah, balance is very important. Okay, so Julie says, spending time with him in his word and prayers. Totally. So That's a really helpful thing. I would imagine just doing that every day. 
you know, I, there's something to really to be said for routine. Now, I'm, I'm the, a lot of people are like, they're like total routine people or like anti-routine people. But the reality is some routine is necessary. Some spontaneity is also necessary just to have, you know, work-life balance, have balance in your family, in your relationships. But I love this because when you, when you schedule that time of prayer and Bible study in your, in your daily routine, it helps it to become a part of, of who you are, not just something that you do. And it, it becomes something that helps to keep that sense of balance where you've got routine. It kind of prepares you to be ready for the day. I don't love they, that. Don't they say that it takes three days to um, establish a habit? 30 days, yeah. 30 days. Is it? At least. Well, it depends on where well, you where you call. It, Some yeah. of them say it's more like 40 days or 60 days. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So, if you're, if you're not brushing your teeth at the moment, you should start <laughs> and keep going for the next six weeks. And by then, it'll become habit. So. <laughs> and by the way... You can call in with questions, and the first caller in today is going to receive a free copy of a book that will get you into the habit of doing a daily devotional time or a time with Jesus. And that book is called 40 Days, Prayers and Devotions on God's Law and the Blessings of It. And so if you'd like to get a free copy of that, you can call in and get yourself started on some life balance with that spiritual application, just like we've been talking about by calling 491 Zero six four double six nine with your questions, and remember, we can also call in to tell us your keys to maintaining balance in life by calling or texting that same number. So we'd love to hear from you, and we're going to jump back into our Bible study. So, Exodus chapter thirteen, the people are going out, and God is being very gracious to how He's going to lead them, and this is how God leads. He has care for His people, and we're continuing in verse nineteen. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had placed the children of Israel under solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here with you. So they took their journey from Succoth and camped in a place called Etham at the edge of the wilderness. And we want to keep that in the back of our mind. Verse 21, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud, to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Oh man, there is so much cool stuff that happens in this chapter that's related to that that I just think is incredibly profound. So it says that the Lord specifically was in the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. So just imagine this. You've got 600,000 men on foot, plus women, plus children. So you've got well over a million people, maybe close to 2 million people. That is a serious group of hikers. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) this is a serious group of people, plus their animals and their livestock. And they're walking through, and they've got whatever they're sleeping in. I imagine they may have had tents of some description, but they're traveling like this. And God's providing a visual representation of his presence there. It says the Lord went before them, so in front of them. God was leading them, and he gave them this leading by appearing in a manifestation of fire at night, which provides warmth, which provides light to see, which provides shelter, right? Like a sense of security to know that God is with you. You can see your enemies approaching from a distance if there's a pillar of fire lighting your way. During the day, there was a pillar of cloud, right? God is providing shade and shelter. You can see the character of God here in his manifestation, his representative, like his representation of himself by a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. And I love this. 
God's leading them into a place that is specifically wilderness. He's not leading them into a place that is secure and ordered. It's a place where you have to depend on him. But in that midst of that situation, he is not sending them out without himself, but he is going before them to lead them in their immediate presence. This is Ellie Holcomb, Red Sea Road. We buried dreams, laid them deep into the earth behind us, our goodbyes at the grave, but everything reminds us. God knows we ache when he asks us to go on. How do we go on? We will sing to our souls. to Faith FM, positively different radio. 
Did you know that 80% of Faith FM's operating budget comes from supporters like you? It takes 700 people just like you giving just a dollar a day to keep us running. Visit faithfm.com.au slash donate and partner with Faith FM today. And for just a dollar a day, together, we can reach Australia with life-changing messages of hope.
content For he said he'll never leave us Watch and pray and trust him at his word Because he intercedes There's no need to fear For he is working everything out for your You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie Morgan. This is Faith FM. <laughs> we are, we're, you're listening to Real Faith on Faith FM. Sometimes the name of the show is actually a little bit confusing because the name of the radio station is so close to it. But anyway, such is life. There's pros and cons to everything, isn't there? All right, so our discussion topic today, before we get back into our Bible study, is what is the key to maintaining balance in your life? And I could really use some help, so I'm looking forward to hearing some more of your responses. So what do you have for us, Shell? Well, Lynn says, if my relationship with Jesus is going well, everything else falls in line. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I think there's a lot of wisdom in that, too. Yeah. When, when you ha- and it's about priorities, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. about f- putting first things first. And that's sometimes something that we find a little bit difficult to do. If you keep first things first, well, then obviously you can keep second things second, third things third. But often we put things that should be fifth on the list in the highest priority and then everything gets out of whack, and we get all stressed out, and then we don't manage well. Yeah, and even when like the craziest things are happening in your life, if you're in a good place with Jesus and your walk with God is going well, all of those crazy things are so much easier to deal with and manage. Totally. And so, yeah, that really helps you to maintain that. Totally. You know, I love, it's Philippians chapter 4, verse 5 through 7. He says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And isn't that a promise that that's, that's a part of? You know, we, we come and spend that time with Jesus. We talk to him, and he says, I will give you peace that doesn't even make sense. And that's pretty amazing. I love that. 
looking forward to hearing more. So if you've got some more tips for me on how to maintain balance in my life, uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can call or text in at 0491-064-669, or you can call or text in on that same number with your questions about God, the Bible, spirituality, etc. We'd love to hear from you on that. And the first caller in today is going to receive a free copy of a 40-day devotional book that goes through six weeks of talking about the law of God and how that can bring blessings into your life and what it reveals about God's character. So if you'd like to get onto that, you can call or text 0491-064-669. We're back in Exodus, and we are on chapter 14, starting in verse 1, and it reads like this. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they turn and camp before Pi-Hahiroth, between Migdal and the sea, opposite Baal-Zephon. You shall camp before it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, They are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them, and I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord, and they did so. And there's that phrase again, that they may know that I am the Lord. Even those who have rejected God, who have rejected all of the things that he's done, all of the opportunities, those who did not join the mixed multitude, who did not return, did not repent, even they will know that the Lord is who he says he is. Continuing on in verse 5, it says, Now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people, and they said, Why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his people with him, Also, he took 600 choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with boldness. So the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them camping by the sea beside Pi-Hahiroth before Baal-Zephon. So check this out, right? So God takes his people, and he's, he's led them through the ten plagues. Finally, by the grace of God, Pharaoh has just in the midst of tragedy said, get out. They've left, and God specifically says, I'm not going to lead them by the shortest way. I'm going to lead them by a longer way for their sake, right? Because if I take them by the short way, they're going to encounter the Philistines. They're going to have to fight, and many of them may freak out when they have to go to battle because they're being attacked by enemy armies, and they may bail. So we're going to take them this alternate route. And so he takes them specifically and says to Moses, you need to uh, camp the people between this place of Migdal, which, as I understand from in the story, sounds like it's mountainous, and then between there and the sea. So just imagine this. like It's not like five, six people all camped out, 30 people camped out in five tents or some, some small little thing. This is two million potentially people. Right, well over a million people and livestock are gathered around. That is a that is an easy target. It's an easy place to spot, and it's it's in a position where God has now specifically led them to a place where there's there's not really anywhere to go to escape. And Pharaoh sees this and he thinks to himself, "Man, these guys are out there. They don't know what they're doing. They're bewildered. They're lost. Let's go get them back." And so Pharaoh gets his army and he gets six thousand chariots. Right? Was that right? Did I read that right? 6,000 chariots. No, sorry, 600. Excuse me. 600 choice chariots. One for each of the thousand, uh, you know, men of Israel of the, of military age and above, right? Like 
that is a whole heap of chariots for that time period. And he brings all his soldiers with him. He's pouring out the resources of his army to go get these slaves back. And the question that, that we must all be begging ourselves that really should be on our mind is, why in the world would God specifically use this route? He just said before, I don't want to lead them in a way that's going to require them to, to, to go into battle and freak out. They might bail. So he leads them to a place where Pharaoh can come in and keep them in that spot between a rock and a hard place, so to speak, between the ocean and the mountains and an army. And so Pharaoh comes in, and it sounds like they're surrounded. And the question is, why and what in the world is God going to do? There in the distance It's a pillar of fire Rumbling like thunder in a dream It roars among the pines Along the line of the great Mississippi It scatters all the cattle And it rattles the Kids across the prairie by the moon It sings like a choir This pillar of fire In the name of God Is the burning tune I can see it swirling and whirling And spinning all around Of the mountains it goes As bouldered and broken as my heart I shiver and cry And I watch as it winds down To the deepest, the darkest parts I can see it swirling and whirling And spinning all around Upward and homeward bound, oh Jesus, lead me through the night, pillar of fire. Oh, so where, oh Lord, are you leading? I can get so Step I feel less alive Oh, but pillar of fire You blaze that trail You've been there every step along that road From a barn in Bethlehem To hell and back again You blaze the trail That leads me home
it down Where it sizzles and boils And the waves along the sound Oh Jesus, lead me to the shore are listening to Real Faith with Robbie Morgan. This is Faith FM Radio. That was Andrew Peterson with Pillar of Fire. If you haven't checked out his music, he's got some great stuff. You should check it out. Before we get back into our Bible study, we've got another response to our discussion topic, which is today, what is the key to maintaining balance in your life? What do you have for us, Shell? So Blair says, go for a walk with family, going for a walk with family each evening after work helps clear my head. And morning and evening, family worship always um, keeps me on track. Beautiful. I love it. I love the incorporation there, too. Like, we've been talking a lot about devotional time, time of prayer, time of, of, of study of Scripture, etc., which I think is super important. But I love also there that exercise. Mm. Exercise is huge. And I'll tell you what. And fresh air. Fresh air. There's a lot that, that really is necessary to maintain balance in life. And I think one of the, one of the things that sticks out most to me is, it's a balancing act. Like <laughs> maintaining balance in your life is exactly what it sounds like. It, it, it requires a little bit of, oh, I've got to lean a little bit more to the left because I've gone too far to the right on this issue of balance in my life. Oh, I've got to go too far to the right. Oh, I better lean back to the left. Right. And I don't mean like political right, left nonsense. I just mean like, like you have to, you're going to over, you're going to lean too far on one side and then lean, need to overcorrect, you know, correct back. That's, it's like walking a tightrope. And, um, it's just going to be like that in life. So I think one of the things that really sticks out to me in all of these responses and all of this discussion even is that it's something that you will have to continue to work on and adjust. You can't just be like, boom, if I just have it set like this, it'll always be balanced. It'll always work and nothing ever will come in and mess it up. That's just not life. So I like that. But exercise is huge. That's super helpful to maintaining mental health as well as balance. All right, we're back in Exodus chapter 14. And the question is, what in the world is going on? Oh, but, oh, sorry, hold on. Before we get back into that, before I ask that question, I just want to encourage you because we haven't gotten a caller in for question of the week yet. And so I know you're out there and you're listening and you're thinking, my question's not the question that should be asked or I can't be bothered to get that, 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 that phone out and text. But I'm going to encourage you if you're driving right now, just pull over, take the keys out of the ignition, put it in park, uh, probably not in that order, and then uh, – Call or text in with your question. Does There's no question too big or too small for us to consider. We'd love to hear from you. It's actually my favorite part of the show, just about that in the Bible study. It's a toss-up. depends on the week. And uh, you can do that by calling or texting in 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669. And the first caller in today is going to receive a free copy of a 40-day devotional book on 
how the law of God define or, or expresses the character of God and is a blessing. So check that out. We'd love to hear from you. We're back in Exodus, and the question is, what is God going to do? Why in the world did he lead them to this place where they are stranded between an ocean on one side, or, or a sea, excuse me, on one side, mountains on the other, and an approaching enemy army on the third direction? What in the world is going on here? Why is God leading them into this place? And let's find out in verse 10. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. Can you imagine that moment? So they were very afraid, understatement of the century. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt so with us? To bring us up out of Egypt. Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For what would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness? And I just want to highlight something here. This is ridiculous, right? Like, if you really think about this, is it better to be a free man and to deal with the difficulties of freedom? and the responsibilities that come with that, and the difficulty of making choices, and the risks of, of loss to life and limb, but to be free? Or is it better to be a slave to an oppressive enemy? And the, the obvious answer to that is freedom is by far better than slavery. With all of its, with all of its intricacies, with all of its vicissitudes and difficulties that are, that are a part of fr- living a free life in this world, in this fallen, broken world. The reality is it's better than slavery. But so often we have attitudes just like the Israelites that say, man, God brought us out of that terrible place, and the moment it gets a little bit too difficult, the moment that it gets a little bit beyond our scope, we look around and we think, man, why, God? Why did you do that to me? I just wanted to stay in slavery. And isn't it just so interesting that we can look at Israel and see how obviously stupid this response is. And yet, so often, I myself make that same statement in my own life about so many things. There's so much to be learned here. We so often look at these stories in Scripture and think, man, these guys are dumb. And then we forget that we do so often the exact same things that we see them doing. The reality is, it's better to be free and in the risky business of living a free life with Jesus than to be enslaved to all of the things of the world. But the reality is that it comes with difficulty, and it comes with a cost. There is an enemy, right? There's an enemy behind Pharaoh, right? There's an enemy that's greater than Pharaoh. The Scripture tells us that there is a fallen angel named Lucifer, named Satan, that that is at work against the people of God, that is working against every human soul, even those who don't know God, right? Working against us so that we may not know him, so that we may not experience the peace and the freedom and joy that comes in Jesus. And yet, so often we are tempted to try and take the easy road that has terrible outcomes for us. It seems easy on the surface, but there is no easy road, right? Like, life is difficult no matter what, but it's better with Jesus, and I just, I just am really shocked by how often I myself just fall into this kind of thinking. And so in the midst of that, just like just the ungratitude, the lack of gratitude that they have, if you were Moses, just imagine how difficult it would be to be leading these people. And you've just, you've led them out by God's grace. He told you to do it. They finally left. You're finally free. And now they're making these complaints to you and they're coming to you and blaming you for leading them this way when all you're doing is what God told you to do. 
So if you're a leader doing what God is calling you to do and you've ever had this experience, there's something we can learn here from Moses. How does Moses respond? Let's check it out. Verse 13. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. That word, that that statement is repeated over and over and over and over and over throughout Scripture. It's, It's said by the angel of the Lord. It's said by angels. It's said by the prophets. It's said here by Moses. Do not be afraid. God's goal in our life is that we would not be afraid of all of the things that would come against us, but that we would fear him alone and trust all of our security to him. He says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Isn't this a beautiful promise that in the midst of difficulties, Moses says, stand still, watch what God will do for you. It's God's business to save you. Your business is to trust and to follow. This is Linda Shelton. It's all about God. Moses led God's people to the sea. Pharaoh's army followed fervently.
You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie Morgan. This is Faith FM Radio. Uh, I saw that the timer was coming down on the end of the song. I thought, oh, I don't have my headphones on. That's the thought I should have thought, but I, I reached for my mask to put my mask onto my face instead of the headphones right then. That's that's what that's that's how much of mask wearing has done to my head. There you go. Anyway, the discussion topic for today is what is the key to maintaining balance in your life? And I think we've just had another response during the break. So uh, what, what do you have for us? Yeah, so Raphael says, the key to finding more work-life balance Ooh, I and, like it. and most things is not getting everything right. It's taking small, concrete steps that add up over time. If we're going to keep work in its proper place and leave margin for other things that matter, we have to remember that only Jesus can give us life in the ultimate sense. Holding on to that foundational truth will allow us to put our doing down and embrace the life Christ has set before us. Boom. I like that. And I love the idea of little concrete practical steps. Not not the huge, big, everything's perfect, but one step at a time. One step at a time. Constantly I love that. going forward. I love it. Yep. Thank you, Raphael. We appreciate that. Um there's still time. This is my, my last shameless plug, by the way. Still time to get in your questions for Question of the Week. After we uh, have our break coming up shortly for the news, we'll be coming back for our Question of the Week. And the first caller in with a question for us is going to receive a free copy of the 40 Days Prayer and Devotion on God's Law and Its Blessings book, which goes through the Ten Commandments and talks about how this is a description of God's character and what it tells us about God and what the blessings are in those commands. So I highly recommend it and would love for you to call in with your question. You can do so by calling or texting 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669. And even if you're not interested in the book, you should still call in with your question because we'd love to hear from you. All right, we're going to get back into our Bible study. So Moses says, stand still. Watch what God's going to do for you. And I love this. Check this out. This is God's response, right? Check this out. This is just so good. So good. Verse 15, And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. I love that. He's like, hey, what are you busy sitting around crying out for? I've already got it sorted. Just start walking. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. God's like, hey, I'm going to do this for you. Now here's your part. I've made the way. It's about to happen. Keep moving forward. Check this out. He then says in verse 16 to Moses, But lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. What? What? Divide the sea with the, the, with the staff in your hand. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And indeed, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And there we have that statement again. When I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen. I love this. This is super cool. God says, hey, I've already made a way. You just can't see it yet. The plan's in place. Here's how salvation's going to work for you in this moment, in this instant, how I'm going to rescue you from this invading army that's coming to get you. He says, go, start walking. And here's the point. He tells them to start walking before he's opened up the door, right? He hasn't split the sea yet. They look forward. He says, go forward. And the sea is still there just like it was before. They cannot see the way yet. And he says, as you're walking forward, I'm going to split this thing. 
And I'm not going to do it the way that you think, right? You're not saved from the difficulty. I'm going to save you through the difficulty. Isn't that powerful? He says, in the midst of the sea, dry land's going to appear, and you're going to walk on dry land in the midst of the difficulty. In the midst of your dead end, I'm going to make a way out, and God is a way maker. Isn't that profound? Love that. Whew, so many things to learn from that. All right, let's keep reading verse 19 because there's so much more to go through. And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one, and it gave light by night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other all that night. This is so cool. And I'm looking at the time, and we're going to need some more time here, I think, because this is, this is pretty profound, I think. Point number one, it says that the angel of God moved, right? The angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud went from before them. Okay, this is, this is just a super awesome point here that I think is really cool. Who is the angel of God? Who is the angel of the Lord, right? Didn't we just before hear that in chapter 13, when it introduced the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud for the first time, it says, the Lord, and the word there is Yahweh, the God of Israel, the God, the Hebrew God. The Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud and in a pillar of fire. And here it says, the angel of God who went before them, moved, and the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. And here's the point. The angel of the Lord is God. The angel of the Lord is the description of the name that Jesus carries in the Old Testament before he was incarnated to become a human being. And what's really neat about this is it says here the angel of the Lord is the same as Yahweh. This is very clearly pointing out the powerful truth that Jesus himself is divine. Isn't this beautiful? I love this. So you see the angel of the Lord in this passage, and it's, it's talking about Jesus. This is Jesus in the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night going before them. And notice that the pillar of cloud leads them from the front. God and is not in the business of driving you from behind and saying, you go where I've not gone before you. But Jesus is willing to go before you and to call you to follow him and to come behind He's not calling us to go where he's not been before. And secondly, what else is really cool in this passage is that it's – how am I going on time here, Shell? Oh, I've got it. Okay, sweet. Sorry, I just thought I had 10 seconds and I didn't have enough time to make the point I wanted to say. All right. Okay, this is super neat. The Egyptians are behind them, and so the angel of the Lord and the pillar of cloud goes from in front of them, between them and the sea, to behind them. And so now you've got Jesus in the fire between them and their enemies. God gets in between his people and their enemies, and he provides a barrier. He is the protection between them and their enemies as he leads them on through the midst of their difficulty, through the sea. That's what he's going to do. Another super cool point that I think is really profound here is that he was one thing to the enemies of God, and at the same time, he was something totally different to the friends of God. 
You have him being a pillar of darkness on the one side to the Egyptians and a pillar of light, a pillar of fire to the children of Israel on the other side. And this is a really, I think, interesting point. Isaiah 33, verse 14 through 16, says something very interesting. And it talks about the destruction of the wicked at the end of time. And I think there's a really cool connection to this passage. It says there that people are asking at the end of time, it says this, The sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness has seized the hypocrites. And they say, Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? And it says there, It is the righteous. It is the righteous who will dwell with the everlasting burnings. And the point here is that God is at the same time destruction and terror to the wicked and salvation and redemption to the righteous. Make sure you tune in to The Breakfast Show to Encounter God, play the quiz, hear great music and noteworthy news. All that and much more every morning on Faith FM. You're listening to Faith FM Radio. For more information on any of today's broadcasts, call us on 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-324-843. This is a rerun of Real Faith. Make sure you join Thursdays at 3.30 for the live show. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story, this is my song Praising my Savior all the day long This is my story, this is my song Praising my Savior Visions of a rapture now burst at my sight. Perfect submission, perfect delight. Angels descending, bring from above. Echoes of mercy, whispers of This is my story, this is my song Praising my Savior all the day long And this is my story, this is my song Praising my Savior Savior, I'm happy and blessed Watching and waiting, looking above Filled with His goodness 
You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie Morgan on Faith FM Radio. So pleased to have you with us. And uh, we, uh, unfortunately, we don't have any questions that have come in yet. So if you want to shoot in a question, you can get that in. And uh, we'll see how we go with answering that on the fly. But uh, otherwise, we're going to keep going with our Bible study instead. So let's jump back into that. We are in Exodus chapter 14. And uh, I might just finish that thought that I was sharing before. I think it's really profound, and the reason I, I, I thought that connection was important enough to say is that what's, what's happening at the end of time when Jesus comes, Jesus describes in Matthew 24 his appearing as being joyful to those who are looking expectantly for salvation, and it's also experienced in the total opposite way by those who are not looking for that salvation. In Revelation chapter 6, it describes that moment, and it says that the wicked of the earth when they see the clouds coming, when they see Jesus approaching, to them it is a moment of terror and fear, and they flee, and they say, who will save us from the wrath of the Lamb? The irony of that. But then that same, that same moment in First Thessalonians four sixteen and 17, to those who are saved, is the moment of rejoicing. It's the moment of salvation. It's the moment that's longed for. And it's so interesting that here, the angel of the Lord, which we know to be the name of Jesus prior to the incarnation that we have recorded of, of Jesus' manifestations physically on the earth interacting with people, is called the angel of the Lord. And that here, it's the angel of the Lord who's responding to these people. And to the one, he is light, and to the other, he is darkness. And it's not because he is different. It's because people are responding to him in a specific way. And I just think it's a really interesting connection, powerful connection. All right, let's continue on with the story. We're in verse 21, and it reads like this. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea into dry land. And the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on the right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. So this is amazing. Like Moses sticks out that same rod that God had used 
to do all of the plagues of the ten plagues. He'd use that rod to do so many miracles. And Moses, in faith and faithful obedience, he goes out and he does as God says, and he holds that staff out, and as he holds it out over the water, this wind just separates the waters. And it's just, it's such an amazing picture to think about. Just imagine the Red Sea, which, you know, it's not much more than 100 meters at most of its depth. But just imagine how tall could these walls have been? It could, you know, who knows? These walls of water held back. And it harkens back to the picture in Genesis where it says that God separated the waters and the land appeared, right? The same power that God used to separate the waters from the land in the Genesis account of creation is the same God who's using that same power here to split the sea in a minor reproduction of that moment to save his people walking on dry land. Another thing that's interesting to note here is that God provided the miracle, but they had to participate. God didn't say, I'm splitting the sea and then pick them up and pull them across. But he says, I'm splitting the sea, now you walk forward in faith. And sometimes I think we forget that that the gift of salvation is a gift that is received by faith. It is by grace through faith. And we can experience it as we choose to accept it. But there's a part that we have to play, and that part is the matter of choice. And I love that God never forces us. He allows us to choose. And so he splits the scene. He says, go forward. Here's your opportunity. I've made the way of salvation. Choose to walk. And I love this picture. I love this picture. The hectic thing is that the enemies didn't stop then, though. The Egyptian army said, we're going to continue to pursue And so even though the way of salvation was opened to them to walk through there, it didn't necessarily mean that all of the enemies had gone, but they knew who it was that was leading them and who it was that would provide for them. And God had a bigger plan in place. Let's continue in verse 24. It says, Now it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians. They were having... Too much ease, so he makes it even more difficult for them. And he took off their chariot wheels, so that they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. And the soldiers are seeing it. Just like the people saw it before when they said, Can't you see that the land of Egypt is waste? Let the Israelites go. Clearly their Lord is against us. And here the Egyptian army is saying the same kind of thing. Look, their God is working against us. Let's get out of here. This was a bad idea. Continues on in verse 26. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians, on their chariots and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained, but the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord 
and his servant Moses. So just picture that for a moment, right? Like 600,000 men on foot, plus livestock, plus women and children, over a million people, who knows how many head of cattle they had, etc. And they walk through, this This could not have been a, a, t- a tiny opening, right? They had to walk through, who knows which section of the Red Sea it was. They walked a long distance and they walked through and God delivers them and their enemies are coming through behind them. But God says, hey, take that, take that staff, put it back over, and the waters are going to close on your enemies. And the water closed. And just imagine what it would have been like to stand on the other side of that sea knowing that just the night before, your life was in peril, and the enemies were behind you, and you were blocked in on all sides, and it was God who opened the way. And if not for him, you would not have been saved. It's in that moment that you would look back in retrospect and see the grace of God for you. And that God had extended the opportunity for repentance to all of those enemies as well. They could have responded in Egypt during the plagues, but they chose not to, and they continued in their path of wickedness. And you look back on that moment and you can see, I have been saved by the grace of God. What a moment of praise and thanksgiving that would have been on the sea of the Red Sea, on the shore of the Red Sea. This is True North, Master of the Wind. When the breeze turns in to a gale I know the master of the wind I know the maker of the rain He can calm the storm and make the sun shine again bring me low, but it cannot bring me down. I know the master of the wind. I know the maker of the rain. He can calm the storm and make the sun shine again. I know the master of Shine again I know 
He can calm the storm and make the sun shine again. I know the master of the wind. Oh, let Jesus calm your storm and let the sun shine again. He is the master of the You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie Morgan on Faith FM Radio. It's been a great show today. I've been super excited to hang out with you. And uh, we've come to the end of our show, and we're going to do a little bit of time as we close out here of real-life application because I don't know about you, but and I know I say this a lot, but if, if what we're learning from Scripture doesn't make some sort of real impact on our real life, then what's the point? That's the whole point of this show, real faith. Faith that's got real application in our real life. And I think as we read this story, there are a number of things that we can take away from this. And sometimes the, sometimes the real life application might be an idea or a mental shift about something that gives us the courage to then make better decisions in certain areas or to fall on God's grace when we need it. And um, I think there's a couple of those from this story that are worth noting. A couple things that we can draw out. Number one, um, sometimes God's plans for us, right, God calls us to a path, and he says, go this way. And we go that way, and unbeknownst to us, God is God is tailoring that path to us in a gracious way so that it's not too difficult for us to bear. But that doesn't necessarily mean that there's going to be no speed bumps along the way, right? Like, in the story, God had said, oh, I'm not going to send him by the way of the Philistines because the Philistines will fight him, and... They may they may get scared by that whole difficulty, the conflict. They may not they may not want to continue on the journey, and it's really near to uh, Egypt, so they'll probably want to just flee and go back to slavery. And that's not what he wanted for them. He wanted them to be free, and so he leads them by a different road. But what's really fascinating is that God knows that Pharaoh's going to change his mind. God knows that he's going to send this army after them. But God also knows what he's going to do to get them through the ordeal. And the point is that sometimes God's plans for us look like they're a dead end, like God is led and I can't see the way out, but I know that he was leading. And that's a key difference here between this and some other scenarios. You've seen God's leading. It looks like a dead end. What is going on? How is God going to do this? And it's at this point that we need to exercise faith to call out to God to make a way where there is no way. And in the story here, that's what God does. And so if you're going where God has called you to go, and it's very clear that you're still on the right path, I want you to just be encouraged. God is able to make a way for you where it looks like there is no way. Sometimes following Jesus does not look like an easy, rosy path. Jesus said the the way to life is narrow, and few find it. So if you're on that path, stay on that path. Keep going with him. Trust in him. He's got a way forward for you. Keep letting him lead and keep following. A second thing that we can draw from this story is that um, in the story, they were they were crying out to God, and they were they were about ready to say, well, they were actually ready to say, we wish that we could go back to slavery because slavery is better than this. Man, that's pretty bad. And I think that that's a rebuke to us because, man, how often do we have that same attitude? So if that's our attitude, we need to just take a bit of a mental check and just say, hey, what are we doing? <laughs> like, God has made the way. It's better to be free and to deal with difficulty than to be a slave. And God's call to us is a call that that leads us out of slavery to the things of the world, out of slavery to addiction, out of slavery to the things we look for for identity that can never fulfill. And he says, come walk in the true light. 
Come walk and let me fill your identity. Let me give you freedom. Let me lead and direct your path into a life that is so much better than anything you could have imagined. And on that life, on that path, there's going to be difficulty. However, it's better to be free and to face difficulties than to be a slave. And that is so, so true. So there's a lesson there for us, I think, and that's to be grateful, to have the right attitude, to, to keep things in, in their right standing in our minds, to understand what, what it is that God is calling us to so that we can really rejoice in that experience even when it's difficult at times because there are difficulties in life. There is an enemy, just like we saw in this story. There's an enemy who's after us to try and lead us away, but God is greater. God is stronger, and God is the ultimate one who will bring us salvation. And in the midst of that, there's something else I think we can take from the story as well on that point. Moses says, stand still. Watch what God is going to do. And I love this because this highlights again that salvation is by grace through faith alone. It's not something that you merit. You never deserve it. I never deserve it. We could never do anything to change that. God gives it by grace. It's a gift. But we have the opportunity to choose to receive it. God's response after Moses says this is, why are you crying out to me? Go, go forward, walk. And this is what you're going to do, Moses. Stick out your hand, and I'm going to split the sea. In other words, God had salvation available. God is doing it by his power, by his grace. It's a gift. It's not earned. It's not merited. But the choice to participate in it was given to them. And the choice to participate and accept salvation is given to you, and it's given to me. It's a matter of choosing. God is not a person who will ever force your choice. He allows you to make your choice, and then we get to experience it. And so God offers salvation to you and to me today, whether it's the first time or the 50th time or the five millionth time. And the reality is it's still a gift of grace, and we can still receive it, but we must choose it. So the invitation is to you. Will you, accept, will you choose to accept God's grace in your life today? And I want to choose that myself. Something else that we can take from this story, I think, is that Sometimes God calls us to move forward before we can see that that the path is there. Sometimes we hear God's voice and he says, go forward, but he hasn't yet split the sea. And what do we do in those times? You know, there are many people in the Bible who we read the stories that they, they, they people like Gideon who are called people of faith, but they, they had to ask and check all of these things. But here God's saying, why are you crying out? I've got, I've made the way. You just can't see it yet. And so if you're in a position in your life where you, you've heard God calling, you know that he's calling to you, but you can't see the way, walk forward in faith. That's my encouragement to you. And that's a rebuke to me because I know that I find that a struggle too. And I think that's something that God's trying to tell me from this story. So these are some of the things that I think we can take out of this story. Man, it's been a great show. I'm uh, super excited to have had you with us. It's been a blessing. I hope that as you take take this story, as we've read, read through this Exodus story, that there's something in this today that you can take into your life and apply. Make sure you stick around, guys. We're going to have drive time starting in a moment, and it's going to be a great show. Remember uh, to stick around. We've got no discussion question coming for you for next week, but I want to encourage you to make sure that you come back next week, next Thursday afternoon, to join us because we've got a very special surprise for you next week. A very special guest is coming on the show, and it's going to be a great time. And whatever is going on in your week, I want to encourage you to remember that real faith is lived faith.